you know, people don't like change, number one, and they don't like to get out of their comfort zone. And those two things have been really shaken up. And, you know, it's like a snow globe. You are now being shaken up and how are you going to land and how right. are you going to show up? So the... Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Crystal LeMay. And as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And... Um, Man, dude, it's been an amazing day today, I want to say. And yeah. I, I, this probably doesn't have any, um, you know, context to the to the listener, but we've had we've done three of these in a row, which we haven't had the chance to do in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's like this crescendo of an ama- amazing guests. And so I think I said this on the last one, mm-hmm. but you're on a roll, dude. You're getting us the top of the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to compare after. I'm building a list. I just want you to know I owe him money. That's why he says this. Building a list um, of who to contact. But uh, this particular person, what what I love about actually the conversations we've been having uh, in the past two weeks or so, or mm-hmm. week, week is a few of them are, are you, you're very close with in mm-hmm. your past. Yep. You know, these are people that have helped form uh, you in a way and your leadership style and the things that you love to coach on and, and be creative around. Um, and I'm getting to meet these people, hear their stories. And, you know, there's a similar story around, you know, once upon a time I was a hairdresser, I was a salon owner. Um, I was stalled mm-hmm. and I didn't hang it up. I searched for some answers. I met some people and now it's like this whole next chapter of my career has just exploded mm-hmm. around helping others to get over the hump that I um, got over. And and um, and Nula Gilday, who joins us now, is you know not only taking that from a level, but now works with one of the most you know celebrated hairstylists and hair salon groups I would say in the world, mm-hmm. um, and acting. You know, uh, it's a titleless company that she works for, uh, the Arojo Group of Salons and Academies, um, but but acting more as a general manager would act in, you know, most corporations if you were to pinpoint it. Uh, spending a lot of time with stylists, team building, running operations, and also still, which I think you were just surprised to hear, yeah. um, taking clients behind the chair a day or so a week to, you know, keep her hands in, keep relevancy. And so Nula absolutely welcome um and thank you so much for being here with us today oh i'm so excited guys thanks for um inviting me as i said earlier i'm a podcast virgin so thanks guys well, it's for, awesome. um, for for bringing me in well, <laughs> well well thank you and something that you just said before i pitch it over to john as we typically begin in our shop talk john style uh uh is just that you just said something that we've kind of been tickling over the past few podcasts it's that you know 15 minutes ago if we would have had this podcast and you didn't have a large personal social media following it it was harder to gain the ears and attention of the industry um you know but now where you sit in new york city you know you're we're still three months into this you know salon shutdown if you will business shutdown from covid and now suddenly it's never been more relevant to understand, you know, the foundations that are that are our business. You know, um, our our profit and loss statements, our leadership, our vision as to what's happening next, and you know, just in our pre-conversation, which was relatively short, I could see that you're going to bring a lot of um, perspective, mm-hmm. possibly hope around this. So, right. um, John, uh, why don't you take us out? So, Nulo, one of the things I like to find out with all of our guests is how did this happen to you? How did you become a hairdresser? How did you join this industry? Tell us all about it. I love it. It's actually part of my favorite story. So I'm originally from Ireland. I was born in Dublin. And um, at the age of probably 14, no, probably 11, uh, my brother was dating. I have an older brother and sister. They're 10 and 12 years older than me and uh, dating a hairdresser. So we get the kitchen haircuts. And, um, and I was about 14 years of age and I saw a picture from when I was 11. And I was like, wow, that's a cool haircut. I didn't realize it at the time, but my mom hated hair. She had four daughters, right. two sons, and we always had a hair short. But the first time I had my hair really cut by a professional was when I was about 11. 
Mm-hmm. My brother's my brother was really cool, like Barry Gibb on steroids, you know. He was <laughs> cool, he was hip, he always had gorgeous girlfriends, and of course he was a hair and he drove great cars. So he's a very cool older brother. And then when I looked at this picture, I was like, Mom, who cut my hair here? Because I remember going to the hairdresser around the corner in her house and being put under a hood and the pin curls. And one day I fainted, you know what I mean? And I was like, I hate hair- <laughs> hairdressers. So it actually happened. My mom's like, oh, Linda cut your hair. And I said, oh, Linda, Terry's girlfriend. And she said, yeah. I said, wow, this is a cool haircut. So I was kind of beginning to understand style. So it, turn, yeah, it turns out then, um, about a year later, I had a meeting with our um, in school and I was asked, did I want to continue with school? And I actually hated school. I loved school for the social aspect. I was never one of those truants. You know, I was always there on time. I was a good student, but I wasn't academic. And um, my math teacher just, her hair would frizz when I was in her class because I just couldn't, I couldn't gather math. And, you know, I was social. So the, the career guidance said, why doesn't she become a hairdresser? And my mother's like, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. So she went to this girl, Linda, and said, where should I send Nuala if she's going to become a hairdresser? And she said, you should go to Peter Marks in Dublin. It's one of the best salons in the country. So my mom went in and got me a job. I didn't necessarily. Wow. Yeah. My mom went in and said, I want to send my daughter, blah, blah, blah. So here we go. So it worked for Peter Marks from the late so i worked for peter marks i left school in the 70s i'm going to age myself now and i went to work for peter marks for probably i was six seven years there and then i decided i was like 21 so i went in about 15 so it was about six years later loved it loved the coolness people were cool the music was great i had this most amazing um he was a manager at the time and then um he became he's now got his own salon but his name is desi and he was he wasn't a cool guy he was from the country so he's kind of a redneck but he was he had a cool person wait a minute minute. you got rednecks in ireland oh absolutely Uh, it's not exclusive to your country, 100%. darling. <laughs> it's not just red hair in Ireland. Oh, no, redneck? No, 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 rednecks. Maybe I've been in America too long that my uh, verbiage, I think it's an original. We call them culchies, actually. So that's kind of the redneck version of an yeah, Irish person yeah, that's but... in the country. But he was a cool guy. Like, you know, on a Saturday, the salon would be hopping. There'd be... 25 perms, you know, all we neutralized and I was an assistant. I just loved the vibe. So, you know, I ended up becoming a hairstylist, mostly focused on, we did um, train in color and cut and uh, had some great teachers, you know, really, really great time in my life. And um, then I really focused on cutting and I became an educator for them. So you do blow dry class in the evening, you know, you'd bring people in the same thing. I'm still sending apprentices out to try and file models like 30 plus something years later. It's the same, (laughs) you know, it's it's the same thing. So in 1985, so I was a hairdresser, successful behind the chair, you know, building my business in Dublin starting to go on vacation, starting to see the world out there. My girlfriend comes back from Greece. I'd gone to Tenerife that year for my two weeks vacation. And she said, me and Yunula, next year we're going to Greece for a vacation. I was like, what? And she said, yeah, you can cut hair on the beach. It's really cool. Let's go. So I went 1986, said to my mom, said to my boss, like three months off. He said, so long as you're back by Christmas, you know, it was always, you know, you can have your 12 weeks off as long as you're back by Christmas. And we were like, absolutely. So 86, um, my friend had, her sister had gone to this island in Greece since the 70s. It was kind of a hippie island, but it was starting to become like, um, it was between Mykonos and Santorini. So it's an island called Eos, I-O-S. And they actually nickname it now Irish Overseas. There's so many Irish people go there. (laughs) So I technically, John, had my first business in 1986 on a beach. I took a, um, a chair from the bar. My girlfriend and I would pay the bar. T- it was a beach, a beach property and, you know, the, the beach bar, you know, all the cool kids hung out. And there was a couple of hairdressers lined up there. And um, just- you realize you realize that you just laid out like every hairdresser's dream. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I, I do encourage travel. I think it's amazing, yeah. but there you go. So I had my first job on the beach. Then we worked in a bar at night and we stayed there for probably 
on and off for about three years. <laughs> so, so you didn't make it back for Christmas, in other words. No, I made it back for Christmas to my mom. <laughs> and uh, then I went, yeah, then I went to England. So my girlfriend, um, she actually didn't get the wanderlust. My mom always says that one girl went on that plane and another girl came back. Oh, I awesome. saw the world. You know, and having a citizen comb, you know, I got into the best clubs, you know, you cut the DJ's hair, you cut the bartender's hair. I was right. living the life of Riley. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. So in 80, in 87, I went back to England for like a little bit of a break before I went home to Ireland for um, Christmas. So I took three months off and I actually met this guy called John, who's now my husband, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So we're here in America together. And then in... I went home one Christmas and my mom said to me, you've got um, something from the American embassy. I had applied to come to America. They were giving out these visas. And again, you know, had to get all my credentials, you know, being sure. a hairdresser. And it was great. And I got this visa for, um, I got it for, it was probably five, a five-year visa. It was called the Donnelly visa. At that time, a lot of people were getting visas in Europe to come to the States. So I said to my boyfriend at the time, I was like, oh my God, I got this, you know, American visa is a, you know, I want to go to America. He's like, I don't want to go to America. I'm like, okay, nice knowing you. Yeah, yeah, nice knowing you. Um, and he was actually wanted to go to Australia. So after a year here, I came just for one year and I loved it. I, I went home that Christmas again, just going home, doing the you know good thing, going home every Christmas. And I said to him, if you want to come back, you can come back. And then he actually did. And, you know, we've been here ever since. But the first, I worked in London for a little bit in the interim during that winter. I worked in a barbershop. I'd never worked in a barbershop before. And I loved it. It was right beside New Scotland Yard. And it had like six chairs, you know, the chair with the sink, you know, so you cut the hair, you rinse the client. You know, it was a classical barbershop. But it was Monday to Friday. And I was like, wow, this is possible in our industry to work Monday to Friday. So when I came to America for that first year, I said, let me go to Wall Street and find, I want a Monday to Friday job. I was into hair at the time, but I wasn't as passionate about it. I just wanted a job and I wanted to make up money. So I got to America in 1991. So it was just the beginning of, it was just at the beginning of the, it was kind of bad. You know, the girls were telling me in the sun, oh my God, if you're here two years ago, they were getting a hundred dollar bills as tips. But I did really well because I'm a hairdresser from Europe. We don't earn tips, right? Yeah. So tipping to me was, oh my God, amazing. So I stayed there for about six months, didn't love the culture and and then I was like, okay, American hairdressing at this time did not have as great a reputation in Europe as it does have now. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to stay here, where am I going to go that if I choose to go back home, will have a good reputation. So my time was well worth spent because I still thought I was going to go back to Ireland. And um, so I saw and opened the paper, newspaper at that time, you know, I'm really aging myself. That's where you found a job. Yeah. At that time, I opened the, uh, the newspaper and a Vidal Sassoon apprentice needed. I was like, okay. So my brother's girlfriend had, from all those years ago, had taken a couple of courses in London. So Vidal Sassoon, and of course I knew who Vidal Sassoon was. And yeah. I was like, Linda was an amazing hairdresser. Let me go take this apprenticeship course. And if I don't like it, at least I'll have worked with somebody mm -hmm. who's a good reputation. I can go back to Ireland. Like, and again, went into Sassoon. What a magical time. I remember walking, it was in the General Motors building. I remember walking down the stairs and walking into that salon. And it was, I was, I felt like I was in heaven. Yeah. I was like, this is what I've been wanting. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a collection called the Jet Girls. So it was real precision, but modern. It wasn't like the old 60s. And I was like, I want to cut hair just like this. Yeah. So I found my tribe, you know. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, I met Christine Zielinski. Yeah. So she was an apprentice with me as well. Right. Lena Orojo. Yeah, yeah. An apprentice. Gerard Scarpese. Whoa. Yeah. And Tracy Sackasist, who's the Fidel Sassoon. We were all assistants together at Fidel Sassoon. Yeah. That's amazing. And um, yeah, Tracy's husband, Julian, he was um, our art director. He was an assistant art director at the time. Mm -hmm. So we all try, like now looking at, you know, where all these people have gone in the industry. It's amazing. And there's some other great people that went through it. But, you know, these are the names that you would know, you know. Right. So, yeah, we were it was amazing it was it was so good you know the discipline the organization you know let me talk about that for a minute if i can you know 
We interviewed Tim Hartley. He was one of our first podcasts a while back. Oh, love Tim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah such a great guy. But he's he worked for Sassoon, but I don't know for how long. I, well, I thought of him when you mentioned the Jet Girls collection because I yeah, have a that feeling was his, he was yeah. around that yeah. year. He might have felt. Yeah. But even yeah. when we interviewed him, you know, sometime last year, you could still hear the uh, magic in his voice. He's, he's kept that in his heart. And you got it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Still. I, I know this is hard to pinpoint, but what is it? What? It's it's culture. Yeah. There was a culture developed in that organization. And Vidal was such a, the most amazing marketing person. Mm -hmm. And he was so kind and he was so generous. And when he was with you, he was present with you. Right. And the work ethic. Now, it, there was something about it that was, and years later when I went to develop my own business, I, mm -hmm. I thought I didn't realize how hard it was to develop culture. Yeah, yeah. These people were pouring into us at a standard on a level that was, Vidal didn't own the business when I joined it, yeah. he'd already sold it. But I just think that there was something so magical. And I think that Annie Humphreys was still an owner yeah. and she was still the spine of the business. So the respect was there, the discipline was there. You never wanted to let anybody down. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like somebody was owning this big corporation and, and Philip Rogers, nobody knows who Philip Rogers really is, but he was the owner and he was a huge disciplinarian. And mm -hmm. um, you'd be shaking in your boots when Philip was coming to town. You'd be at the top <laughs> of the, yeah, it was like, you know, you made sure the tops of the, of the pictures were adjusted. The, the skating boards were all scrubbed, you know, like right. he was, he was, a, he was very disciplined. Uh, not to cut you off, but when you say disciplinarian, um, I say, I, I love the word. I love discipline in, you know, in certain areas of my life, other areas. I, only saw, only saw. But, do, you, do you want to tell us a little more? Do you want to lean yeah, in there? Yeah. Yeah. But what I, you know, what I, what I, what I understand and appreciate that I think everybody, if they can get honest is, is, um, discipline is a set of actions that leads you to a place where you're trying to go, Absolutely. you know, yeah. and, you know and it, and it might not be the set of actions you feel like taking, but it's the only set of actions that's going to lead you to where you want to go. And so I, I guess a, a part, I think a big part of that magic that always comes out, whether it be Sally Rogerson, even, you know, talking mm -hmm. about the old Sassoon days is discipline comes up. So you had to, you know, you had to look a certain way. You had to show up a certain way. It doesn't matter if you were out till six o'clock in the morning, if you weren't there for your eight o'clock client on a Saturday, yeah, it was, you know, they, they, they held no hostages, you know what yeah. I mean? So they, they didn't let you slip with anything. The communication I found was good and current, the level of training, you know, obviously they're renowned for their training and mm -hmm. the discipline and that they, they, you never got to slip. You never got to slide. Are we, yeah. Are we missing that now? Has that gone by the wayside or has that been reinvented in a different way? I think it's a little bit watered down because I think the employee is holding a lot of employers hostage at the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think since, I think since 2008, a lot has changed. So, you know, with these salon suites coming on board with people demanding 60% commission, you know what I mean? There's a, our pay structure at Sustains was 35%. That's all you got. Mm -hmm. I mean, never went any higher than that unless you went on salary, you know, so they had a, they had a business model where you knew the level that you were being trained at, but it was right. never, it was never about the commission, you know, right. I don't know. I think, I, I don't know. It's a great, great question, but my observation is that a lot of salon owners are afraid to have those fierce conversations with people, you yeah. know, and to hold people accountable to, you know, what's, working what's not working you know what we're going to do about it and i and that kind of leads me to where we're going in in this whole leadership i think our leadership needs to get a lot stronger and i think with sassoons they knew who they were and they knew what they had to offer and they didn't right. they they didn't you know they didn't veer off that like we were talking a little bit earlier john about neil dukoff you yeah. know what i mean like they stuck with that one mission and message right and they beat the drum for it and it was to be the best in the industry of education you know it's funny I, i'm telling this story because 
it connects to that piece about the Sassoon and the discipline. I was working with a, a salon owner, um, Sassoon trained, and they were training all of their staff in the Sassoon methodology of doing hair. And they were having a, a bunch of turnover. And I was interviewing some of the people that worked there and said, well, you know, why is why is this salon have so much turnover? Like, I didn't want to ask the owner because the owner's going to tell you what they think, right? I wanted to talk to the staff, and the staff's like, well, because, it's, you know, the training is so hard, and, you know, every time we have a class, we cry. And I'm like, you cry? And it's like, well, yeah, you know, the training's so tough, and, you know, I end up leaving crying, and I'm not the only one who leaves crying. And so then, you know, I got this information, went back to the, to the salon owner and said, you know, here's something that I got. You know, this little piece was is that, do you know your team leaves every training session in tears? And they were like, well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? And it's like, well, yeah, I cried. I mean, when I went to Sassoon training, the instructors were so tough that sometimes I would cry. So I assume that when my staff cries, that's just part of the deal. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, well, maybe not. Maybe we could revisit that. Um, but here's where I want to go with that, touching on what you just said. So one of the things that's really important, and, and let's go here first if we can, how do people get a hold of you? Because there's going to be some great information. So how do people reach out to you? Do you have a website? Do you have an Instagram? How do people connect with you personally? I have um, an Instagram and, you know, my email at work. So my Instagram is Nula Gilday. It's N-U-A-L-A-G-U-I-L-D-E-A. And DM is the easiest way to get in touch with me. So direct message through my Instagram or it's Nula Gilday at, or sorry, it's Nula at Erosio NYC. So N-U-A-L-A at A-R-R-O-J-O-N-Y-C.com. And we'll put that in the text um, for the podcast so people can find that later too. All right. Thank you. And at the moment, yeah, we've, I just created that salon owners and leaders on Facebook. So that's the group I think, you know, that began this conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So somewhere along the line, we've had this past ideal that, you know, for, for some people that if the discipline wasn't strong enough to make you cry, then it wasn't good enough. Right. right. And now we've swung so far to the other side where, you know, meant too many owners, live in a sense of fear or, you know, an uncomfortability to lead, right? They're afraid to lead, they're uncomfortable to lead. There's obviously a middle ground here. That's something you're spending a lot of time with. Obviously, leadership is, is speaks to your heart. And, you know, previous, before we went online here, you were talking about how, you know, the present situation with the coronavirus lockdown has shown you or highlighted how much leadership really is important and 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 so you've obviously made a decision that in this time you want to you want to help with that tell us tell us a little more about that how did you get there why now what is it about leadership so it's it actually some of those people that i mentioned earlier i joined a group called um john maxwell so it's um international coaching speaking training i uh, by 2000 and um, 15, when we were opening our second and third location at Erosio, I had, okay, so I got here, you know, I worked at Sassoon's, then I had my own business for nine years, and that's where I met you, John. Right. Um, and you were my coach, do you remember? You were my first coaching client, by the way. Oh, that's why I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part is, I don't know if I ever told you this, but after I went and visited your salon for the first time, I met Lisa and Neil at a restaurant uh, somewhere on the island on Manhattan. And they were like, how did it go? And I was like, this one's going to be tough. <laughs> and, and, and it was, but it was, it was fun. I think we learned a lot. I think I remember you coming in. I remember a lot of things about that. You were very instrumental in um, the structuring of that business, as was Neil Dukoff and, and Lisa. And... Um, well, one of my fond fondest memories was when you guys wanted to, you and your partner at the time wanted to have lunch and I wouldn't let you leave the room and you had to yeah. order pizza. <laughs> so you couldn't, no, you're not leaving this office. We're staying here. Yeah. And that was a beautiful office. Uh, it was a beautiful office. And that was a beautiful salon. And that was my big, that was my biggest mistake. My ego got in touch with my, um, the sh a shrine for the industry. Well, it got you here, right? 
it got me here and I'll never ever regret it. Yeah. So this is what led me then to um, John Maxwell. So I decided, okay, I need to really develop my own leadership skills. And because most of my education came from obviously books at the time, magazines, and I had, um, I'd taken a course at the International Beauty Show. And I remember when I was working at Fidel Sassoon, um, I went into this class, it was a business class, and it was Carrie Manuel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny that we're talking about her earlier. And Neil Dukoff, and they were in a room, you know, the Jack Jacob Javits Center. Right. It's yeah. gray, gray on gray on gray. So, and it, it was fluorescent lights. And Neil was there with his big beard. And it was the first kind of business seminar I'd gone to. And they gave me the Strategies magazine. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my God. So I called, P I, was a, in, I was part of the leadership team at Fidel Sassoon. I called Peter Bradley, who is our GM um, um, for North America. And I called him in Boston, probably that next Friday. And I said to him, Peter, there's this amazing company called Strategies. I think we could learn a lot. And this is when I realized, you know, there's a law of the lid John Maxwell talks right. about, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, if you keep banging your head against your leadership lid, you know, it's time for you either to move on or change something. So I kept bringing this and they didn't want change. They were very, mm -hmm. they were very, we got the right model. This is how we want to develop it. And then I um, got this magazine yeah. and I was reading it and then I subscribed to it. And then um, I met Andrew Finkelstein. Yeah. So I'd known Andrew Finkelstein through one of my roommates in New York. Uh, she was actually working for him when he had a salon on Madison Avenue. And I knew he was a consultant. So I called him and um, Nick Berardi was my business partner, myself and Nick worked at Sassoon's and he was my art director. And we decided to, we had this, you know, the e-myth, you know, we're the technicians. The entrepreneurial, said, seizure. The entrepreneurial seizure, darling. <laughs> and Andrew was actually an e-myth coach at the time. And that's the connection. I just made that connection there. Sorry. Yeah. So Andrew came out to the business, looked over the books, met with the previous owner, walked out of the salon and said to us, don't do this. And we're like, thanks for the advice, Andrew. Uh, we're doing it. You know, so that's where we went. So strategies. And that's when I went up to strategies. But Christine Zielinski, she was opening her salon and she, a couple of years before I had mine, and she had said to me, you know, I'm, I really want to do business. So I mailed her. Do you remember when you used to mail things to yeah. people? Yeah. So I mailed her, I mailed her the magazine and that was her connection to you. I think she was in your class in strategies. Yeah, yeah she was. So the first book I ever picked up was actually, I think I still have it. I think it was the 15 laws of growth, you know, yeah, so yeah. this is, yeah. So I still have the book and, I didn't read it for a few years. So I'm a very big shelf help person. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of help on my shelf, but I'm not necessarily using it. <laughs> that is freaking hilarious. Yeah. I've never, I've heard, never that, heard that statement. But we're going to steal it, just that, so you know. That Permission is to absolutely steal because brilliant. I ain't no genius. I didn't get it from, you know, I got it from somebody else. Well, as Chris always says, we'll, we'll always um, reference who taught us the first three times after that. And after that, we act it's like... Your, absolutely, it's your own. <laughs> so I started Googling, you know, coach, coaching courses and classes and leadership development. And within a week, my friend, Christine Zielinski, calls me. She's like, oh my God, I'm after signing up for this amazing... You know, she's Christine. She's right. like, you know, I'm after signing up for this amazing coaching course. I think you'd love it. So a year later, I signed up for it. Sorry about the long-winded story, but that's kind of where how we got here. So... Well, this is great, and I want to I want to say something before you move on. You know, if you're listening and you and you don't know about the Erojo salons, and I mean, you know, you, you're listening to somebody talk who is, you know helping a high level in an organization that does above what most salons will ever dream to do. And, you know, what I love about listening to this is you started so grassroots mm -hmm. um, that, you know, this is a time where people might be reinventing and might be going, you know, was this the last chapter in my book? And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to hang up my shoes yet. And it's like, if you can just see above what I just heard you say is like, if you can just see above that, I used to call it the glass ceiling, right? You say bump up against right. your leadership um, yeah. lid. lid. I love that terminology. Um, you know, if you could just take a minute to rethink above that, that you can, and maybe, maybe it's not, you know, like you were a salon owner and you've grown into a bigger set of boots, I would say, than owning a, a you know, a, 
average size salon. I'm just, I'm saying that because I don't know your the the size of the yeah. salon. But I'm saying, you know, there are many, many, many avenues that you can take inside of this industry. Sometimes we bump up against that lid, whatever that lid is, and we go, is this all there is? And it's like the answer is no. There's there's a lot out there, and now is a great time to be rethinking it if you are or a great time to reach back out and find some training. Maybe it wasn't the right time before. And I just love that all this is woven throughout your story, and I want to point it out because, you know, sometimes as a, you know, we can get into a rut and we go, what am I doing all this for? Yeah. You know, and so I, I love all the avenues that you're, you're, you've gone through to get where you're at. Yeah, I think there's one thing I've always, I've always, I love our industry for that. I've, I've gotten friendships from forever and it's I've always kind of hung out with people that always challenged my thinking or had a bigger story and I always wanted to belong to something really big and you know to me it's the glass is always half full you mm -hmm. know what I mean I've always been that type of person I didn't realize that that was an asset you know what I mean like that was an asset for me to be around positive people people that are always pushing the envelope and getting me to think outside the box because, um, you know, leaving school at 14, you know, being politely asked to leave school, I had many years where, you know, the, the, the math was my issue and Neil Dukoff helped me love a PL. You sure. know, what I mean? so it's just finding the right people to help coach me and, you know, and guide me. I've, I've, I believe in coaching. You mm -hmm. know what I mean, I do, I believe in getting people, you're not being the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, surrounding yourself with people that think bigger and, you know, Nick Arojo, I knew for years and um, never worked with him, but known his wife. And um, when I had my own business and he kept saying, I need a Nula. Every time we'd have a drink, he's like, I need a Nula in my business. I'm like, I ain't going to work for anybody else. You know, I'm done, you know. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it, you know, as circumstances happen, you know, I said to Lena, I think I'm ready to move on, but I'm only ready to move on for something bigger. And, you know, and that's, what, and I, Nick had this a massive dream, you know, to elevate the industry, leave it better than we found it. And I've always been aligned with that. I've always known that that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I was never, I never, the technical I loved, but I loved the people development right. and, and not through just teaching them how to cut hair, just through making them, you know, people skills. I loved people skills and um, I loved leadership. And, you know, Jack Welch and, you know, finding all these people that were not in our industry. So I always did go outside of our industry for information. And with John Maxwell, they host an event twice a year and mm -hmm. it's called the IMC and it's always down in Orlando. So I generally go to one a year for my own development leadership on my own ticket. This right. is nothing that my boss is paying for. And I've always been a component of that. You've got to lead yourself. If I'm constantly looking to my leader for inspiration and I'm leading, you know, I have to also have my own mind, my own way of thinking and bring sure. something of value to the table. You know, and I'm always looking at where can I add value? So this year, the IMC was canceled because of the COVID-19. And what they did was they actually put on a program called Leading Through Crisis. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me hop on this because I think we're in a crisis. You know yeah. what I mean? This is something that we've never known. Did not have a clue when I left work on March the 18th that I would still be out of work. And this is the 19th of May. I've right. never had two months off in my life since I was 14 years of age. You know, this is you know, beyond anything we ever expected. So they did afford, They did their um, seminar, they did it all online, Zoom, first time ever. And they allowed us to have this mastermind call, Leading in Crisis. So I hopped on, you know, a couple of calls, Christine being one of them, Tina Black is also part of the John Maxwell team. Tina mm -hmm. has a lot of uh, Paul Mitchell salons and schools. And um, Carly Agu, she's uh, in Canada. She's got her own little business and also a great salon owner. And um, Rosemary and Sean, Rosemary works with Vivian McKender out in Long Island. So we're all in John Maxwell. And the conversation was, Can, let's do Leading in Crisis for some people in our industry. And let's just offer for free because we just want to help. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was somewhere that, you know, I was getting fed by these amazing leaders, Mark Cole, John Maxwell, Paul Martinelli, Robbie Galbraith, all these great people in this industry. And I'm like, how do I pass this on to our industry? So we did a four week leading through crisis. It was fantastic. And we did it on Facebook. We just launched it. We just threw it out there. Whoever showed up, showed up. And there was some great conversations being had. And then we decided let's do a mastermind, you know, and for those of you who don't know, is a mastermind is just basically a study on a subject. So we love, you know, the six of us, we love um, 
Developing the Leader Within You 2.0. And it's what I've used to develop leaders in our organization. And I know Tina has used it to develop leaders in hers. So we've created a five-week mastermind. And that's what we're doing, John. You know, it's like to contribute to the leadership in yeah. our industry and getting them thinking differently. There's so much information out there on your skill. You can yeah. learn. It's like how much is out there on your business and on how you're going to lead people and show up. And we know, you know, like, Leadership is influence, mm -hmm. nothing more, nothing less. Right. So you can influence people to, to go on the dark side or you can, sure. you can influence people to go on, you know, the moving forward side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we know at the moment, Nick is like, he's hell, like he's hell bent on getting our industry open and he's got a huge voice and he's like really pushing it out there, you know, because he's got to, you know what I mean? It's a crisis and we got to get our salons open. New York is probably going to be the last. Right. And, we found let's bring the conversation to supporting those in our industry that are leading a salon, you know, and maybe, you know, they don't know who to turn to. They've never really looked for leadership. And we have a wide net being the six of us. So we, as I said, we just threw it out there and we put this together and, um, and we believe that there's always an answer and the answer is within and it's going within and find out how are you going to show up in this crisis? The biggest thing that um, I saw, Cuomo. I'm obviously living in New York. Yeah, hang on to that thought for a second because I want to I want to dig a, I want to dig a little bit there. Okay, so so we'll talk about Mr. Cuomo, but I also want you to talk more about ju than just him. Now that you've gone through this process, you, you've already delivered one leadership program. You're delivering a second, right? And you know you have you bring this wealth of experience in the industry with you to this program. What are you hearing? What are you learning? Who are the people that are influencing you right now? And you just spoke about Mr. Como, so we can talk about him a little bit more. But I want you to expand beyond him. Who else are you learning from? What are the what are the things uh, Mark, you're hearing? Mark Cole is probably the biggest leader I'm learning from at the moment. John yeah. Maxwell is one of the biggest um, leadership gurus in the world. Sure. But he's he's 74 and he's managing this huge company. But Mark Cole is just actually stepped into um, part owner of and the John Maxwell team. I don't know if a lot of people know that yet, but he's yeah. now put all John's businesses under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. I get on a call with him at least once a week and listen to how he's navigating through this crisis. Yeah. And that's who I get fed from. I get fed mm -hmm. from somebody who's playing a big game and you know he'll share his thoughts with us and masterminding to me is the best way to do something like that because mm -hmm. you get to hear a collective of other people's intelligence and it's not just your thinking mm -hmm. you know so you know so you'll see how they're leading through crisis you know like a big organization like john maxwell I'm sure they're having massive issues at the moment because a lot of their businesses on sites going into corporate businesses right. on site they're having down. to go onto zoom yeah all shut down so all that income now has disappeared for them like all our income from clients has disappeared from us so it's like mm -hmm. how are they navigating through it and it's communication and it is um, through, yeah, communication is the big, big key that I'm hearing. What I'm hearing from salon owners, can mm -hmm. we go there? Yeah. What yeah. I'm hearing from salon owners has changed. So eight weeks ago, it was crisis and it was, what are we going to do? And then it turned into this wave of my employees don't want to come back to work because they're getting subsidized from the government. Right. And now it, it kind of the wave is, this is my business. I'm going to manage this business how I want to manage it. I'm going to rehire my employees. And I feel this sense of strength coming back into our industry that I haven't felt in a long time. And it's actually given me chills now that I'm speaking about it right, right, right. because, you know, we, we were on a, I, we had an amazing call last night on our mastermind group and um, going through this book and the, the developer, I keep forgetting developing the leader within you. And we got some great juicy conversations. You know what I mean? Like three weeks into a mastermind is when people I feel really open up and really start talking. And we're not yeah. there as experts. We're there to guide the conversations and have a collective intelligence and brainstorm. But it's in private. You know what I mean? So right. I think it's, it's a safe space. And that's what we're hearing. It's like, you know, they're putting a, a charge on, they're telling their employees how they want them to come in and, you know, the, the service standards and what they want them to charge. And, you know, that, hey, I've got an employee last night. Somebody said that doesn't want to come back to work and I have the PPE and I'm going to begin it. And she said, I said, well, 
you know, she doesn't have to come back to work and then rehire in another position if that's not the position that's available. So I, I think there's something going to be great that's coming out of this, mm -hmm. John, you know, because I think people are going to start understanding that they are in control. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, and that's, the, that's the vibe that I'm feeling at the moment. I could be way off, yeah. but these are the conversations that I'm having and it's empowering some people. You know, are they afraid their clients aren't going to come back and they have these big bills to pay? I think it's right. really, there's, there's a huge conversation out there because I just heard this morning that I think 40% of salons may, may close. We, we, it's interesting because we heard, we, heard, we heard a number like 50 on another one that we yeah. did this morning. And I guess what I'll say to that is whatever it is, it's going to be big. Huge. And mm. there's, and you know, because I know you're going to, um, take take a line of questioning. I mean, we just can't agree more, or I couldn't agree more walking away from the Jay Williams conversation mm -hmm. of the supply and demand chain will change mm -hmm. um, yeah. just based on the fact there will be less salon options. It means as an owner, you'll have more options for a stylist. Some people will leave. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from the independent front, we don't know what will happen there yet. Right. But from a salon owner perspective, it sounds like some of your competition will be closing. Um, and so if there's a better time to reinvent, we don't know when that's ever been. Mm -hmm. and, and there's nothing more heartbreaking than a salon closing. Oh, no. it's, 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 it, you it, know, you know, you know, those owners have put blood, sweat and tears into that business beyond you know, they've ever gotten. Yeah. Well, and we I, can talk about this calmly here, sitting here on our, and you know, on our podcast, but I mean, our hearts go, I might, you know, our hearts go out to those people. It's, I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a crushing of a dream. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm an employee sitting here talking to you. I don't own right. a salon anymore, right. but I did. Right. And it's like, I still don't know what they're going through because this is you know, unprecedented. Nobody knows what they're going through, it but I definitely feel their pain. And I hear the conversations from our own employees and I hear the confusion and the upset and the, um, you know, they, you know, they think it's going to go back to normal and, and they don't know what they don't know. You know, right. it's so, the, the, it's devastating, the whole thing. You know, especially loving this industry as I do um, right. and always wanting to add value and always wanting to leave it better than I found it. You know, my heart definitely breaks for all those salon owners that can't. Well, you know, there are two things I, I, I want to bring up. One seems like it may not have a lot to do with the other, but uh, we'll get there. You know, our, our company mission statement here at Salon 124 is to elevate the beauty industry and the people and communities we serve. That's our mission statement, right? Now, I just heard yours. Yeah, right? very similar. I was yeah, the same thing. Yeah, and so first, I want to start off with that because I think that's a commonality that, that I think a lot of people that we podcasted with today specifically, right, come from that same place, which is how do we leave, the, and, and you know, that's the, that's the guiding light for this podcast, you know, is how do we leave the industry better than before the podcast, right? Um, <laughs> not, now a year and a half in. Um, and having said that my person, I'll speak only for myself. My personal belief is it has to come from a refined and renewed sense of leadership because somewhere along the way, and I can't even tell when or how, and I won't even waste my time with it somehow along the way that discipline, and we'll circle back to the Sassoon piece. Somewhere along the way, that vision, that leadership, that culture that not just Sassoon had, but lots of companies had, mm -hmm. has fallen away for whatever reason. I don't know why it just did, right? And I'm, I'm happy to hear that what you just said, that you see that there's maybe a resurgence of that, right? But let's talk a little bit more about why is that so dang important? Why? Why? You know, and, and I'm going to go back to my notes earlier. Um, Jay Williams said something really interesting. He called it social comparison theory. It's very interesting. And, and the, the short version is when you're in a position and somebody who comes out and says, he used the analogy of being on an airplane, and, you know, the steward uh, tells, or stewardess tells you, the flight attendant. You start to me. experience some turbulence. Right. They tell you what's going to happen. They tell you how it's going to happen. They tell you what you're going to do. And you're like, ah, oh, oh, it, it calms you. It's going to be okay. And I think that there are people in our industry who are showing up to be stewards of our industry, right? Um, and it's so important right now. And that's why I'm so excited to hear what you're doing. 
but talk to us a little bit more aside from the obvious, which is we need leaders because you can't everybody can't be a chief, right? Why is that so important more now than any other time, do you think? I think because people look to others and they don't want change. So they look to others to show them the way. Yeah. You know, it's human, it's, it's human nature to follow the leader. Mm. You know, so you see it in a school ground. You'll, you'll see you follow the leader. You can always pick out who the leader is in a school ground, right? right? So it's like following the leader and it's somebody who has a clear vision who's a conviction that yeah. they can execute it and is clear in their communication and is non-emotional. Now, I'm not saying they don't have a high IQ right. or they don't have an EQ, but right. they have to be able to connect with their people, but not, not allow them to hold themselves to a lesser standard, be just constantly trying to raise the bar and have a strong vision. Because I feel, as I said to you earlier, there's always an answer and like everything is Everything is uphill and everything is a struggle. And I think what this has done, this crisis has really separated, you know, the strong players from the weak players and mm -hmm. whoever you are showing that sense of confidence. And I think you have to be a little bit of a hope dealer. Sure. You have to make sure and that's from John Maxwell. That's again, a lot of these things I don't make up, but I just yeah. know that from him. And it was interesting because a conversation I had with Nick a few weeks ago, getting on zoom calls with our employees, you know, yeah. and you know, there's, there's these conversations being had, you know, are we going to give color to clients? Are we going to do, and Travis, I said, Nick, you just stay out of those conversations and you just stay in the delivery of hope. Sure. You know, just the hope that we're going to get back open and have, because that's what people need to see in a the leader. They do need right. to see that you're struggling and going through it, but it's just making sure that you deliver them hope mm -hmm. and that you keep in constant communication with them. And I don't mean for that to be a cliche, but what we're discovering through these leadership courses that we're doing is people mm -hmm. want balance. Right. Still to this day, balance because everything's gone off kilter and people want better communication. You know, so, you know, so if you can drill down on those two, I think balance is a myth. Yeah. There's no such thing as balance. We have seasons in our lives. Right. You know, so, and I think communication is really important. I remember a long time ago, John, we'd gone through fierce conversations. Do you remember right, that right, book? Right. And it's still a book. Yeah. It's still a book to this day that I use. On my kitchen and, table. Yeah. And I think. I think a lot of people in leadership need to have better conversations. So let, let me go there for a second because this is going to be perfect. Because we're both John Maxwell fans, John Maxwell says everything you want is uphill, yes. right? Everything yeah. you want is uphill. Now here's the, here's, here's the interesting part. Leadership is influence, so let's circle back on there. And hopefully our leaders within our company are, are, are hope dealers. I'm going to yes. use that because that's awesome, All right? And so... That's the influence that, you know, people like Nick and people like Brian that we work for, you know, give us every day. Yet, there are also people in the room who everything they want is downhill, right? Uh, because it's easy, uh, because it doesn't require much work. It's also negative, right? And so at this moment in time, there's probably just as many negative downhill leaders as there is uphill positive leaders. Now, here's the thing. If I'm somewhere stuck in the middle, boy, the downhill looks a whole lot easier than the uphill, right? Um, that leadership of hope that you're talking about, that looks like work, right? Where this other person over here being negative, I could just stay home and collect $600 in unemployment. You know what? I'd rather do that. I'd rather give up and collect my 600 bucks than I want to put the effort and energy into something that's uphill, even though if I did it, man, my return would be three times to 600, right? But talk about that a little bit because I'm sure that you get this with the folks that you're doing your leadership piece with is how are they overcoming the negativity? How are they letting people know that, you know, you know what? This uphill thing really is where you want to be and where you want to go. And trust me, only because I know you're going to be happy you did it once you get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, make sense? I, I, it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's 
a great statement and it's a great question because there is that and you know people don't like change number one and they don't like to get out of their comfort zone and those two things have been really shaken up and you know it's like a snow globe you are now being shaken up and how are you going to land and how right. are you going to show up so the to me, what's been happening is, and I've said it to our team, it's like you want to have a business to go back to or you don't. Right. You've got, it's, it's, a, it's a black and white question and there's a black and white answer. You either want to jump on board or you don't. You have to make mm -hmm. that decision. And if you do, yes, it is going to take a little longer for the client services. Yes, you're not going to make as much money on, you know, at the moment, I think the, the extra $600 runs out July I think in July sometime, 13 mm -hmm. weeks or something. So that's right. kind of coming down the pipeline really soon. And can you live on, you know, this unemployment money? Or is this an industry that you want to be long? I think this is a really good time for leaders to be asking those questions and for employees to be asking those questions to themselves. Because I think a lot of leaders and not just in our business, but I think in corporate America that are on those last five years of their, you know, career path, sure. mm -hmm. they may not be coming back either. You know, so I think it's, I hope I've answered a little bit of the question for you. I think there's no change in your comfort zone. I, that's what I deliver to my team all the time. There's no growth in your comfort zone. I've never met a comfort zone where you've grown from. And um, it's like the law of the rubber band. So it's like how much, you know, there's no, a rubber band is a rubber band, but you know, it's not going to, you're not going to make the, the most out of the performance until you stretch it. Right. You know what I mean? And then that's what's really, really important. You've got to stretch how you're thinking. So it's a matter of having, the, I know with us, with the teams, it's a matter of having conversations with them about, we had to paint this picture of how the slum is going to look. You right. know, Nick took out the chairs. He brought them into the conversation. And um, some salon owners are actually having conversations with their team. Okay, what do you want? I know Christine Zielinski went through a whole values checklist with her employees. She's sure. rehiring everybody, getting on the phone. These are our values. Do you agree with them? Do you not agree with them? And mm -hmm. if you don't agree with them, well, maybe we're not the salon for you going forward. You right. know, so it's a matter of, you know, I think the, the communication, John, I'll go back to that. It's really having that crystal clear communication and conviction on mm -hmm. what you want out of your business. And you still gotta have empathy and understand these people are going through sure. so much. You know, right. Tina Black has brought on actually somebody to counsel some of her employees as they're coming back to work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To talk about some of these fears and panic attacks some of them are having and worrying about, you know, wearing a mask. And it's been wonderful, your state being open, because we can see what you guys are going through. And we're already getting great feedback and great tips about how to manage and work behind the chair in these circumstances. And so I think as us as leaders, it's making sure that our employees are listening to that type of communication and hearing right. what's possible when they get back behind the chair and it's not as bad as they think and um it really depends on the type of person and you know do they want to grow or do they want to go to a suite you know i, I love what you I, I i you you started to fire i've been containing myself the entire time since you started to talk on that last thing and then nola you know mm -hmm. lit through gasoline all over my fire <laughs> and <laughs> And the reason why is because I can remember a specific, you know, I'm cynical by nature. I've, I always like, if you're, if you're, you know, blowing smoke or sunshine, I'm the first one to go. I, I don't want to say what I would typically say. And I'm like thumper. I'm just like, everything's going to be happening. Right. Great. Well, I'm, 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 the, I'm, the first, well, I'm thinking it, but for me, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to be fine, but you're an idiot. You know, like that's where my, or like, you know, you think I'm going to buy that. Like, you know, I, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Um, at some point in my life, I realized that the person that had a positive outlook all the time wasn't lying. They, they have a positive outlook and it, and they weren't necessarily born with it. Right. Some people develop that. And the reality is, is that if you're being cynical or negative, or even if you're just unsure, um, but to, to the cynical and negative, you might even be right. But Jay, something Jay said something that I thought was really interesting today. And I, and I, I just act this way anyway. It's like, I would rather be positive and wrong than negative and right because there's an experience inside of me mm -hmm. when I talk to somebody that's always finding the, you know, oh, that's not going to work because of this. Oh, you're never going to be able to. And I, and I watch that person um, operate. I go, that can't feel good.
Right. Mm-hmm. That can't feel good. But when I when I buy into a little bit of that hope, when I take a bite out of that, you know, apple, um, I start to realize, you know what? If if I can just believe some of this stuff and keep taking better actions, mm-hmm. eventually, eventually I get better results. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I get a better life, you know, and you, that's just real. Yeah, I think what you hit there is part of the mindset and human development. And that's a piece that I just love, you know, and that brought me to, you know, from learning to do leadership of really, really getting into psychology and the mindset of people and that energy that you talked about, like that shift, it doesn't feel good, you know what I mean? On a, on a, on a cellular level, can you imagine what that's doing to your body? You know, yeah. so that's a whole other podcast. Right. Yeah, theory. yeah, we'll have to bring Dr. Joe Dispenza in on that. Oh, one. We'll, love yeah. Dr. Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know that is, I think, and that, and people see that and feel that, and they 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 read the BS, you know, meter. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you're if you're a hope dealer, but you're not really walking the walk. You know what I mean? Right. If you're somebody that's negative in the back room or and out in front of the salon owner being so positive, it's like you know, there's 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 those sort of mixed messages that I think people get. And it, yeah, it must feel yucky, you know. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm only human type of thing. But it's like, you know, I get it too. You know, you have your bad days and your good days. But what I chose to do in this matter is because I couldn't be in the salon, you know. But, and I've been so busy these last couple of years, you know, personal things that are happening. Um, and then business, you know, I've got a big responsibility at work. I was like, okay, what do I love to do most? And that is, I love leadership. I love mindset. So it's like, you know, let me just dive into this and see what I can, what I can do for myself. And then that's when I was like, when I said to the team, you know, the salon owners and leaders that I'm with, I'm like, you know, how do we pour this out? And you know, I didn't want to use Nick's network because he's he, he's education, and you know, and I said that to him. I said we're doing this. He said, "Do you want me to promote it?" I said, "No, let's see what happens here." Because right. I didn't know we were on the right path. You know, I work with a very very strong leader. He's very strong in his convictions. And um, if anybody deserves to be successful, it's him. I've seen him go through everything, and this is just another thing that he's going to go through and tell great stories from. But the component of leadership is huge and you know how he's showing up in our industry and how I'm showing up in this industry mm-hmm. is really important and how we can give to other leader leaders that you know there is another way and it, it starts with you you know what I mean you've got to go back to how are you communicating you know how are you getting up in the morning are you still getting up at five o'clock or are you still getting up are you getting rolling out of bed you know what right. I mean it's, you still yeah. got to lead your day Neil, I want to give people a sense of context. How many employees does uh, Arojo Company employ? Um, we're over 104. So, you know, it kind of fluctuates. Sure. So, yeah. We also have two cosmetology schools. Arojo yeah. has two fantastic cosmetology schools. And as you said earlier, an advanced academy. Yeah. So 104 people just in the salon side of the business. Oh, actually, no, just in the salon side of the business, we're at about 72. So that's direct report to me. Yeah, and yeah. then and then I also help facilitate um, some of the general maintenance and, you know, sure, sure. review bills and that for the school and the advanced academy I don't have as much to do with. But, you know, mm-hmm. they the people from the salon teach in the advanced academy. Well, the, the, the piece I want to get to is there's a approximately 100 people that need leadership. There's approximately 100 people that need communication. There's approximately 100 people that need a clear vision. And here's the thing. If you can make that happen with your 100, you know, then if you've got a salon at 8 to 10, 12, 14, 16, you can do that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes, if you can, like to me, it's like, okay, bite-sized pieces is how you do anything. Like my goal for this week is to drink more water. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason being is, I, I, I realized last week I wasn't drinking enough water because when I'm at work, I constantly have that full bottle, you know, right. chugging. And I was like getting these headaches. I said, what's going on? And I realized, oh my God. So I wrote that down on my, on my every hour now. It's like drink water. Nice. In my block out times, I have drink water, drink water. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really important, like small bites. And already I feel better. And what day are we in? Tuesday. 
Is today only Tuesday, right? And I already feel better. Yeah, I feel better. I got, I went to bed early this week. That was, you know, sorry, a second goal. I'm a little goal orientated here. (laughs) You know, I was like, okay, I have this time off. Why am I getting my seven or eight hours sleep that I should be getting? Yeah, right. You know, so again, I had these conversations with myself. How can I show up better? And yeah, so that's, that's really, really important. So for a salon owner who thinks they don't have a lot of time, I don't want to digress too much because I can, but is... 15 minutes a day if you just 15 minutes a day isolate yourself get a really great cup of coffee or a glass of water whatever you need to do shut off the noise you know put your phone on airplane mode and go okay what can I help my team with today or what do they need or ask those questions what do I need Mm -hmm. and 15 minutes a day well seven days a week don't take any days off you know we are if you do for seven how many minutes is that a week that you've just spent on that one question and you will yeah. find that you can, the, the answers are always within and you know that, you know, mm-hmm. you, can, you can get all the books in the world, but it's the thinking time that I've found in these, probably the last five years, thinking time is my most valuable time when I can mm-hmm. sit and you know, process. And I swear 15 minutes a day will make a huge difference. That's awesome. amazing. Thank you. Uh, so much packed in in this hour. I mean, we went cover to cover uh, uh, just over an hour, and I, I know we could have easily continued um, going more. Uh, John, what are you pulling away from this conversation? You know, so much. First of all, Nula, thank you so much. You know, it was I lo- I loved being able to take this time with you. So you know, thank you for for all of that. Um, if I'm you know pinpointing things that get out of this conversation, I think the the one that's that I find uh, the one that shows up for me all the time is a leadership, right? Yeah. Is, you know, like Nula, I'm a big fan of leadership, what that looks like. Um, you know, whether it's clear communication, whether it's clear vision, whether it's supporting the values of our company, it's about being really clear and concise about what our mission is. And when I heard from Nula and then I, I, I'm really liking, and I hope this is nationwide, not just New York wide, citywide, um, which is people are looking to take, I don't want to say control because that's not really what I'm looking for, but taking on the responsibility of being a leader. The people are looking for that, you know what, maybe this is time that I stepped up to that responsibility that maybe I've neglected for too long, right? Because in the end, here's the truth, your company needs you. The company needs you to show up and show them the way. And, And that's got nothing to do with survival or politeness or anything else. That's just, that's it. And I'm not you. One on one. Yeah. Yeah. It's your vision. It's your dream. It's what you've created. You know, your team are along for the ride. But, you know, what is it you want to create? And it's, you know, it's really having that crisp. I love that. You know, I like the values piece, actually, John. I know Mm -hmm. we were wrapping this up, but that came across to me really clear after probably week two of our free course that we did. Right. That people, the reason they've slipped, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry it's now at the end, but this is only coming out now, okay. because they didn't hold on to those values. Well, you know, and here, if I can circle back, that's probably, yeah. I'm going to say that's why Sassoon did so well, right? Because they had clear crystal values. And yeah, it may have been intense, but in the end, what I'm going to assume what happened is the people who were comfortable in that level of intensity stayed the people that were uncomfortable with those values of hard work, those values of we're not letting anything slip, those values of, you know, no, we're not slacking off, those folks stuck around and perpetuated the values and thus the culture of the company for as long as possible. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. I like that. I like that loop around there. Very good. Beautiful. Oh, Nola, so good. Knowing that, uh, you know, uh, we've got everything from cosmetology students all the way up to business owners and above that listen. Um, anything you felt like we were leaving on the table or anything you just want to say to the audience as we wrap up? Yeah. Find your voice. You know what I mean? Get involved. There's so much out there that you can be part of, you know what I mean? From somebody in cosmetology school. Um, I did a, a class with them last week and they were like, you know, um, how do we interview? I'm like, you know, follow up, talk to people on social media. DM all these amazing, famous people. They're all, everybody I feel at a certain level is ready to share, but we need to hear your voice. 
So don't be voiceless in this industry. There's so many platforms now to, you know, ask your questions and find your voice. So that would be the one thing I would say. Thank you, Nila. That was beautiful. Thank you, guys. Great. So good. So good. Thank you. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is. But it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world. Helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>